the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And good afternoon. Welcome. Good to have you on board for... This edition of Lifeline, it is the 24th of May, in case you're not keeping track for some reason, and I talked with your boss, worked all the details out, we're giving you Monday off. But when you spend Monday with friends and family, maybe a little bit of barbecuing, remember, if you would please, all those who have served America in her wars as we mark Memorial Day, and not only to those, of course, within the United States of various services, Army, Marine Corps, etc., etc., but also, um, of course, remembering those who have passed before us on Memorial Day. I don't rarely get an opportunity on the show to start by teasing with a, we've got good news in the pro-life front in California. Rarely do you hear me say that, because rarely in California is it true. But today it is, and coming up a little bit later on, we're going to tell you about two big California pro-life victories. But I want to start on a different note, and it's perhaps a more somber note, but maybe one that we can all relate to. If we look at what's going on in the headlines these days, and even in just day-to-day life in a state like California or even in the United States, maybe on the planet, you probably have concluded more and more Americans seem to be stressed out. Getting ready for the show tonight, I'm reading a news story about a brawl that broke out at O'Hare Airport at the luggage belt and literally people fighting and fists flying and suitcases flying the whole bit. I mean, it's just absolute madness. Everybody seems to be stressed out. Dealing with anxiety, depression, fear and stress. Part of it's the state of the economy, certainly nationally, perhaps your own personal economy. Part of it, we see it every day here in the Bay Area, street violence, muggings, carjackings, road rage, gun violence, Gun violence in our schools, the movie theaters, the malls, even on the freeways. A lot of Americans feel very nervous, on edge. Many of us, perhaps, that have personally experienced some of these things I just spoke of, who've been through it, but never healed from it. My first guest tonight has written a new book dealing with the issue of trauma and how to be set free. The book is titled Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Joining me is lead pastor from Sunrise Church of Clovis. He's a doctorate of ministry degree from Liberty University. He's authored a number of best-selling books, including his latest Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Pastor J. Otis Ledbetter, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us tonight. 
It's my pleasure, and thank you, Craig, for allowing me to come on your show. It's just such an honor. You know, this subject of stress, anxiety, depression, I mean, it it hardly seems that any of us um, are safe from it or uh, isolated from it. And and while all of that is true, all of us don't deal with it in the same fashion. And, And some people either seemingly figure out how to manage it or maybe stuff it down and ignore it. Others seem to fall apart. Walk us through, first and foremost, why you felt this topic was so critical to write about. Well, I saw it happening, and and as a counselor, uh, I've I've got 54 years of counseling, and I've counseled all the way from, uh, you know, being in a college setting, university setting, and they would send the the students to me to, I was a chaplain in in the uh, Air Guard for the 144th Interceptor Wing, and the pilots would come because if uh, they came to me as a counselor and not to a psychologist or therapist, didn't go on the record, so I was first line. And I just spoke to so many, and I saw, even in 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 my church, what you were saying before. So so much has happened in a lifetime, and it, the the intensity of it builds up, and the pressure builds up, and then all of a sudden you act out, and generally you will act out of some traumatic event that has happened to you, and that's what I've seen over all all this time. Just some traumatic event that has. Uh, that has taken place, and all of a sudden, it, 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 the acting out comes. Now, trauma. You said it that all of us have had bad things happen to us. I don't. I don't think I've ever met anybody who hasn't had some sort of a traumatic event happen to them. But that's not trauma. The event is not the trauma. The trauma is the chronic reaction to that event. Um, that's why three people can suffer the same event and only one will suffer trauma uh, from it. Uh, everybody else, uh, it took it in stride. They know that it happens to everybody. They walk through it. They journey through it. I don't say they get over it because it's not a disease you get over. It's, it, it is just something that happened to you. You walk through it. You get to the other side and you understand that everybody's been through it. But there are some that can't get through it. And uh, so they suffer the trauma. And that's who generally I deal with who comes into to my office and says, you know, I can't get through this and I'm suffering fear. I'm suffering horrible anxiety and I don't know what to do about it. Or, or uh, some has said I had somebody tell me just the other day the isolation that I'm experiencing has brought hopelessness and desperation and desperation, you know what that leads to. You're thinking, you know, is it is it worth living? Is this, you know, if this is the way life is, if this all there is, then maybe there's another alternative, and they go there. Um, so that I think that definition is what we need to know as as we speak further, because some people who suffer the event they don't have trauma. But the ones that have trauma, they're the ones that are, are, are really seeking for something. And let's be clear about this, uh, Dr. Ledbetter. Some eavesdropping on our conversation today might say, Pastor, you have absolutely described me to a T. 
But this doesn't necessarily suggest the, the, the inability to be able to work through it all, that it's necessarily a, a character flaw, per se. Right. Is, is it the fact yeah. that some have uh, more nuanced coping skills or others that maybe even the impact of of cumulative events that ultimately lead to our inability to manage the big event that becomes a trigger point for us that then leads us to either lash out or to cope in ways that are extremely unhealthy, up to and including, as you suggest, even those who, out of desperation, are just looking for some kind of a relief valve. And whether that relief valve is self-harm or harm toward others, is a lot of this a lack of skill, essentially? Well, that's that's a really good thought. That's a really good point you've made right there. Um, I'm dealing with a, a fellow now. He's he's uh, in his late fifties, and um, he uh, he's actually lives far away from me. I'm in California, and he's on the East Coast. And we've been talking because he picked up uh, picked up one of the books, and he wanted. He just wanted to talk, so we have a mutual friend, so I've been talking to him, and he, he told me, he said, you know, all my life, I've got more money than I need at this point. If I never worked another day, I could live the rest of my life. Money's not my need. Achievement, I have, I've achieved my goals, and I, I have, um, you know, that's, that's not my problem. He said, my problem is I just, I, I just feel disconnected, and I, 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 my life's purpose, my life's meaning, it, it's just not there anymore. And I have searched for it and searched for it and searched for it. And what is happening to this young man, I, and I can believe there's somebody listening to your show today that is exactly like this fella, who what we call it is existential crisis or an existential despair. They just have come to a point where they've achieved everything they want to achieve, but they've lost their purpose in life. They've lost the meaning of, for what they achieved all of those things for, and they turn around and look, and that's gone. And what has happened is events in his life, as he talks to me, the number of divorces, the number of people that have walked away from the friendships, the things that have just accumulated, have built a pressure. And now he told me the other day the same thing. You know, I've thought of things I shouldn't be thinking about. And um, so I, I think that's what it is. We've lost our meaning, the meaning of our life. We've lost life's purpose. So my... My talk to him is that you you you've got to find you've got to connect back with that life purpose because if if you don't have meaning if you don't have purpose then all kinds of things come into your life and the traumatic events can take that away from you especially things like COVID we're, we've we've been a few years from COVID but COVID is still damaging people's lives because of the isolation that happened and the loss of jobs and having to find something else to do and they will tell you uh, my meaning, I, I don't have meaning in my life. And I don't know how, how ironic it is, Doctor, that you'll find people that will retreat because they feel so overwhelmed and for them, retreat is sort of a, a self-preservation mechanism, but in doing so 
also that isolation, instead of making them feel better, actually exacerbates the problem. And, and, and you know, when we come back after the break, I want to dive into this a little bit deeper because it also occurs to me that part of this, too, might come down to a matter of not just purpose in life, but also perspective in life, that for some people, they see a particular event, say you're in a car accident, identical set of circumstances for one person, they look at it and say, yeah, that's okay. You know, worse things have happened in life before and I'll be all right. And they move on and other people get completely overwhelmed by it. Is part of that a matter of perspective on life events. If you've just joined our conversation tonight, Dr. J. Otis Ledbetter, lead pastor at Sunrise Church of Clovis, author of a number of best-selling books, his latest right on the money for where so many of us are living today. Set free, released from the damage of trauma. We'll get a bit more detailed as our conversation continues here on KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are talking about trauma and how some manage it better than others. And we certainly all go through events in our life that can have an emotional, sometimes even a physical impact on us. As we're learning today from best-selling author Dr. J. Otis Ledbetter, uh, lead pastor, by the way, at Sunrise Church in Clovis. Uh, it's got a new book out called Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Uh, part of it has to do with our, our, our sense of positivity as it has meaning and, and, and purposefulness in life. And part of it I have to wonder, Dr. Ledbetter, if it's also a matter of perspective. Some people see things, you know, from uh, the, the old adage, depends on which side of the telescope you're looking through. One one end will, will magnify and the other one will minimize. Some people do better at minimizing events in life and therefore managing it better. And while there are others, and I would add myself in that list, that oftentimes will, as the old saying goes, make a mountain out of a molehill. Is perspective a big part of this? I really like what you're saying. I really like the point you're making, too, because it, it really is. Um, uh, when, when you're suffering from trauma, every, everything, um, looks, everything looks like the enemy. Um, even the good things look like the enemy. And when you come to the point of, of where this fellow I was talking about earlier, where you've lost all your meaning in life, that's really not a psychological disorder, and that's not what we're talking about. We're we're talking about uh, s- something that is very manageable. They will tell you you don't even need a therapist if if this is if they call it like I said existential crisis or existential despair. And so you just simply say to them, you've got to change your perspective. Um, several things you can do to change your perspective is begin to rely on your loved ones. I mean, this rugged individualism, that's a good thing, but there comes a time where you can't do it alone, so you rely on your loved ones and begin to express those things are, that are inside you. That releases that pressure when you talk about it, when you say it. As a matter of fact, when 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 it's no longer a secret how you feel, then the it's, it's no longer a lie you're living, and the, the devil has no power to make you ashamed anymore. So it's out there. So express how you feel and find some joy 
in the small things um, of life. If you like ice cream, pull the car over and go get an ice cream. You know, if you if you like to watch a, a, a sports game, then uh, do your chores and get to the couch and turn that TV on and watch some small. And then focus focus on what you can control. Too many times we focus on what is out of our control, and that's what trauma tends to do to us. It's totally out of my control. There's nothing I can do. Like Elijah said, you know, uh, he left his uh, servant when he was running from Jezebel, and he left his servant, went a day's journey, got under a broom tree and said to God, you know, I'm no better than my ancestors. Just take my life. Suicide was on his mind. he was focusing on what he could not control. He couldn't control that woman, but he could control um, uh, his attitude toward that uh, the situation. He, he just had a great victory. Maybe somebody ought to keep a gratitude journal. Maybe practice some meditation. Maybe a, a, a good small group out of church or a support group in the community is good. And this one fellow I'm talking to, trying to get him to reconnect with his life's purpose. And that's actually happening. He's actually doing that. So, yes, perspective is critical in in the healing process of um, the trauma, of the damage that trauma has done to you. And it sounds, too, as you're suggesting that that support system is also vitally important. I mean, going back to your example, how often do we hear stories of the tragedy of someone who takes their life and then as friends and family and those around them are interviewed, they say, well, we had no idea. Oh, they just seemed to be fine. I, this was just, just completely out of left field. And uh, maybe that suggests that, you know, when we're going through experiences that we're having a difficult time to manage, there's got to be something in, in our flawed, sinful DNA that causes us to retreat. Maybe part of it is something that's happened for which we are feeling a sense of guilt or shame and so the mechanism is to withdraw from others almost as a as a coping mechanism and yet it ends up having just the opposite effect as you're suggesting that was we as we retreat and we we want to hold all of that in that what we're doing is we're cutting ourselves off then from a lot of the very avenues that could help us manage it and keep it in proper perspective amazing that's so that's so true mostly we choose to respond to injustices horizontally rather than vertically. Our our focus is strictly on ourselves and the wrong that's done against us. And we live in a horizontal world. And our challenge is, is how do we live vertically in a horizontal world? Um, And you've got to learn how to live vertically. And that's a difficult thing to do. It's easy to sit here and say, but that's a difficult thing to do. And, you know, I'm reminded in Scripture that that Christ being fully human and yet fully God, that he, he suffered many of the same temptations that we did. And maybe part of that perspective, too, is understanding that while it might feel in the moment as if nobody could possibly relate to how we're feeling, what we're going through, how we're reacting to an event or a cumulative total of the impact of multiple events, can God really relate to what we're going through? Oh, he's been tempted in every point, just as we have, and and he's come through it, and that's the beauty of it. And people say, well, he was God, but he was 100% God, but he was 100% man. 
so he feels the exact same thing and the exact same pain that we feel. And because he's felt it and because he's gotten through it and because he's defeated it all, even our ultimate enemy he's defeated, we have a pathway to victory ourselves. And I would say to anybody who's been suffering, suffering through it, you can have victory. You can begin again if that's necessary. Just make up your mind. This is over. And I'm going to begin again, whatever that looks like and whatever that needs to look like in your life. You can begin again. In your book, you spend some time talking about managing things better through things like self-control, self-mastery. And clearly, as we've talked about, that sense of purpose and perspective, uh, learning that that self-management and how we react, critically important. And when we come back, I want to talk a bit about how we go about acquiring those skills, how we can perfect those skills. Uh, again, a lot of people eavesdropping right now might say, Craig, you don't understand what I've been through. I mean, it, it, it's not just this one event. It's multiple things that have happened, or, or maybe it is one big major event that has suddenly just paralyzed you. So how do you move from paralysis to purpose, perspective, and better self-management? We'll talk about that next. Best-selling author, Dr. Jay Lotus Ledbetter with us tonight. He is the lead pastor at Sunrise Church in Clovis. His new book is called Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Book available, by the way, um, bookstores throughout the Bay Area. You can also get it online through Amazon.com or through Pastor Ledbetter's website, joledbetter.com. We'll take a time out back with more of our dialogue as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're here very close to the one-year anniversary of the tragic Vivaldi shooting in Texas. And boy, talk about traumatic experience that can be paralyzing. How does one get free from all of that, move past it? Dr. J. Otis Ledbetter with us this evening. The book, Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Let's talk a bit about how we develop these skills. You've talked, Dr. Ledbetter, about the importance of purpose in life, certainly the matter of perspective. Let's talk about some of the methodology that we use to learn how to face these events and move past them. I mean, we're not going to erase them. They're not going to cease to be part of our history. But how can we move past them to the point where they don't haunt us and taunt us every day? I think we learn how to own them. Uh, they are a part of our life. They are a part of our history. And they will color your life. And generally, you get to choose the crayon that you want to co- the color of the crayon you want to use we can you can either color yourself dark or you can color yourself to a, a much brighter color but one of the things you, we have to do is we've got to become skilled at managing our negative emotions um, the negative emotions are, are what's going to take us down and the, and the scripture says you know when you have a broken heart you, negative emotions are going to come but the psalm says the lord is near to those who have a broken heart and then he saves such as have a contrite spirit so that what happens is you have to turn from that broken heart to have a contrite spirit manage those negative emotions God's provided the power for us through the fruit of the Spirit to overtake uh, any negative that's in our lives. 
So once you start managing, the first thing you do is you articulate your negative emotions. You put a face on them. You can't fight a faceless enemy. So once you put a face on that negative emotions, then emotion, then you can begin. You can begin to beat it. You see, and we are. Your negative emotions are going to make you believe lies. And we are destined um, to become more and more confused the longer our head tries to accept as true something our heart knows isn't. And so produce openings in your life for positivity. You see, you don't stumble across the happy life. You create it. Mm. Um, And so begin to create that happy life. And Paul talks about that. Paul talks about in Ephesians. He said to that church, he said, I want you to let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all evil speaking, put it away from you. In there is the word anger. And he didn't say, I want you to manage your anger. You can't manage that. It's not manageable. Um, I, I I was watching TV one day, my wife and I, and down on the bottom where those little little uh, blurbs go across uh, as you're watching the news, it tells you other news that's happening. It said, "Man kills man in anger management class," and I jumped up. I jumped up to write it down because I didn't want to miss that. The date and everything, because you can't manage anger. It's like trying to keep a beach ball under the water. Eventually, it'll turn you over and surface. He said, "Let all of that be put away from you, not managed. Be put away from you." And then he said, "Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another." Another, even as God in Christ forgave you, so you manage, you make room in your life for positivity, because um, that helps give you quality thoughts, and quality thoughts are positivity's favorite food, and um, that's that's how you get out of out of the doldrums. And Paul said, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are a good report, all these things. Think on these. Don't think on the negative. Think on these, because God knows that if you want to live vertical in a horizontal world, you've got to think positive. You've got to think this direction. And that's, a, that's, that's some of the first steps. Manage those negative emotions and then open your life up for positivity. And don't, if you don't stumble across the happy life, start creating your happy life. Is it also important to sort of um, acknowledge almost in a in a fashion to forgive ourselves because i think sometimes people will get into this they're they're kind of stuck in their set of circumstances and now it shifts from what happened to them to somehow feeling that they are a failure their faith is insufficient their trust in god is insufficient and therefore the reason why they're having to to deal with all of this this negativity and and so that's one question and then the other question is do we need to see this as as we talk about being released from the damage of trauma as not a singular event but rather a process meaning what might have been the trigger could have been a singular event but climbing back out of the impact of that more of a process and and I ask that question because some people say well I went to church and prayed but but I'm still feeling like this or or you know I I I've read this particular passage in the Bible and I I really tried to take it to heart and I'm still feeling this way I think about Paul addressing the notion of having to die daily that suggests that part of this is a process. Yes, absolutely a process. 
uh, and um, <clears throat> I I dealt with that at length at the book previous to this one. It was a thirteen year project called Soul Hunger, and in it identified the nine human hungers that God gives us, and those those nine human hungers are what we deal with on a daily basis. And through with some theologians, some therapists, and together we identified well we took all hungers that we could think of, and I think we've come up with 47 of them, and we wanted to reduce it until that list was irreducible, and it became irreducible at nine. There's nine hungers. Well, there's nine fruit of the Spirit that God gave us that will satisfy those hungers. And if you could only use the fruit of the Spirit to satisfy those hungers, you would never have a problem in your life. The the difficulty is, is when the devil comes along and he says, I can satisfy those hungers and I can satisfy them quicker and I'll give you two to everyone God gives you and that's the deeds of the flesh. And so the war that rages within us that you're talking about, that war, we think we've got it and then we see we're still in a war. And war is hell. And and you don't go to war over something you don't want. You don't go to war over territory you don't want. So the flesh is warring against the spirit over those hungers and we tend to feed those hungers with the works of the flesh because it's easier to satisfy them with the works of the flesh. It's quicker and it seems the right thing to do instead of allowing the fruit of the spirit to to do that. So yeah, to your point, yes. And people get stuck. I've I've heard that a hundred times. Pastor, I go to church, I pray, I do everything, read my Bible, I do what you tell me to do, but I'm still stuck. And it's because our choices of our choices, the the deeds of the flesh, we're allowing the deeds of the flesh to satisfy those hungers and not the fruit of the Spirit. Well, and let's face it, it's a natural sin nature inclination to look for the quick way out, the easy way out. And some people will say, you know, well, I'm going through this, but, you know, I think the easy way out is I'm going to anesthetize myself from the pain by drinking or using drugs, whatever the case might be. We're we're, we're looking for a flesh-based solution to what is at the core a spiritual issue because let's face it isn't this one of the one of the greatest tools that the enemy has to to defeat us is to deceive us and and that is to to get us so down on ourselves and so stuck in a rut that we can't overcome the damage of trauma and therefore he renders us of no effect yes and what you said is again you're just you're you're, you're on point totally do you use the word deceived um, we are deceived and we don't know we're deceived the very definition of the word deceived means you don't know you're deceived um, and so we're deceived we don't know that we're deceived so we stay in that and the only way we can get out of it is purposefully as I said you 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 articulate that put a face on it and once you put a face on it you can battle that enemy and God has given us plenty of uh, um, plenty of pathways out of it and he hasn't given us a spirit of fear has he no he hasn't if you have the spirit of fear that's not what God God, God gives you the spirit of love and a sound mind and I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves with. And I, and I want to be careful for listeners not to think that we're suggesting you're going to hypnotize yourself here. Um, you know, but I think there's a degree to which self-talk 
talk when it's biblically based? I mean, what, what does the Bible say about whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is wholesome? Think on these things. And so part of it is to, to change our the way we kind of train our brain, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And the scripture is very, it, it, it is very clear saying as a person thinks, that's what they become. Wow. So if you're somebody that's kind of stuck in a rut, maybe you are a, uh, a bit of a victim to uh, a friend of mine referred to it as stinking thinking, uh, this book can indeed uh, be groundbreaking for you on your road to recover from, to get out from underneath, to experience the process arriving at freedom. By reading the book, Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. We've clearly just touched the surface today. And a conversation like this is not meant to send you away with all the answers and say, gee, gosh, I listened to Dr. Ledbetter on Lifeline and now everything is well. No, but if we get you thinking and praying and acting in the right direction, if the very minimum you take that first step toward becoming free, in that process that we talked about a moment ago. Well, I think we've done our job, but you got to do your job. I want to thank uh, Dr. J. Otis Ledbetter, lead pastor at Sunrise Church in Clovis, for his time today. The book, Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. And uh, you can find it through Amazon.com or through Dr. Ledbetter's website at J-O-Ledbetter, L-E-D-B-E-T-T-E-R.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Ledbetter, for your time and very valuable insights. We're at uh, 15 away from 6 o'clock. I told you at the start of the show, I have incredible news in the pro-life front. We're going to get to that momentarily, but first we got to get to this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. What, my turn again? It's not very often on this program, as I said at the top of the show tonight, that we get a chance to share good news in the pro-life arena, particularly as it relates to anything going on in the state of California. I mean, we've just been kind of ground zero for abortion on demand under any set of circumstances. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter why, doesn't matter how. And oh, by the way, let's see if we can't get the taxpayers to foot the bill for it all. We have been following over the last many months a couple of bills making their way through the California State Legislature, in specific Assembly Bill 315, um, that was going to essentially open a door for lawsuits against organizations that provide counseling services and encourage women to look at the totality of their options. I, there's, I don't think a woman on the planet that's not aware of the availability of abortion, uh, particularly with the amount of coverage that it's seen since the uh, vacation of the Roe v. Wade decision um, by the Supreme Court last year, but how many know about the viability of the other options? Putting a child up for adoption, carrying it to term, resources that are available, etc., etc., support that's available. Well, they wanted to essentially open up a door so that if you talked about the totality of the options, that could potentially put you at risk for a lawsuit. More stunning than that, Assembly Bill 710 would have created a essentially a, a campaign of misinformation against pro-life clinics across the state 
labeling them as fake clinics in spite of the fact that many of them are, in fact, medically licensed. What? All right, let's get an update. Karen Roseberry's got more. She's spokesperson with the California Pro-Life Council. And uh, Karen, as you and I have been dialoguing over these issues over the past many months, rare, as I say, we have the opportunity to share some good news, but we have it tonight. Tell us what's going on. Absolutely. Thank you, Craig. It's a pleasure to be on with you again. Yes, I, I think that we can, we can call this a win today. Uh, it, was, it was, I guess, Thursday uh, when, when it officially came out. But uh, the, the bills that you're describing, AB 315, AB 710, and uh, even a, a couple of others that uh, you know, were certainly being watched uh, by the, the, the pro-life community, uh, ended up dying in appropriations. Uh, there's even a silver lining on budget deficits here in the state of California, and uh, we'll, we'll take it while, while we can get it. But I think it's also indicative of the fact that these types of measures that, that we're actually targeting pregnancy centers are, are starting to garner at least some conversation and some attention around them. And the fact that, wait a second, you know, is California pro-choice or pro-abortion and, and solely pro-abortion? Because... No one is, is forced to come into a pregnancy center, that uh, they do so willfully and voluntarily, and that they are provided exactly as you described, uh, a holistic and totality of options and choices that are available to them. And yet, even in providing a totality of choice and option to women, the pregnancy centers are, are being maligned, defamed, mislabeled, mischaracterized, and just straight up deceitfully called fake clinics when they're licensed community clinics by the California Department of Public Health. And and we're seeing a little of the the fact that assembly members that were, were writing these bills didn't want attention drawn to them. Uh, particularly uh, that AB 710 bill that was drafted by Assemblymember uh, Pilar Chava. When when attention was actually drawn, it's like, oh, this is a simple transparency bill. Why is anyone getting, you know, upset about that? Yet when you read the fact statement, that there's nothing about unbiased coverage of a campaign, it specifically calls out pregnancy centers as being fake clinics. And now there's a backpedal being taken to that because the bill died as well. And so you have a, a failed bill with unpopular support that is now facing scrutiny for the, the misstatements that have been made. And how tragic, because essentially they're 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 putting this forward under the guise of you know uh, uh, sunshine and and uh, full disclosure, when when in fact what they're looking for is is a result that will have just the opposite impact. Because let's face it, if you can use a bill like this, had they passed, to then turn around and bring suit against the clinic and effectively shut them down, which is at the end of the day we realize the real goal here that that those that see this not as not as a matter of choice but a matter of making money uh, it is in their direct best interest to make sure that there is zero competition meaning uh, abortion in all cases for all circumstances uh, w- w- without regard to to being honoring of the quote unquote choice side of it which is frankly not a choice at all so it really comes down to we're asking for greater sunshine we're asking for greater disclosures here when in fact that's not what they want at all 
10,000%. They're trying to sow seeds of distrust. And then they will throw around terms like, oh, you know, business models and, you know, whether or not who's deceiving who here. The, the, the simple reality is, is that if you want to follow the business model of this, it is abortion clinics that are financially preying upon vulnerable women to provide one and only one service to them in, in their you know time of, of greatest need. And then to further compound that as we follow the money through this, we see that those same assembly members that are drafting these bills to shut down pregnancy centers to give women actual choice are profiting from Planned Parenthood with max out donations that are received, you know, in the amounts of, you know, $4,950. So, you know, and then, you know, uh, other contributions that, you know, simply continue to support this exact same non-choice agenda and really only pro-abortion agenda. And the, the, the disingenuousness of, of these alleged transparency bills is just so apparent by, by everything that we're seeing. And it's, it's time that that be called out a bit more because you're, you're right as, as how we started. We, we don't get a lot of opportunities to call out wins here in, in California. And yet this one was, and it, it gives a chance to sort of pivot and take a different approach to what we've been seeing coming out of Sacramento. And that, that really needs to Stop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think it's important to underscore for listeners, uh, this is the kind of impact that you can have when you're willing to take the time to make the phone call, send the email in the old days, <laughs> for those of us that, that still do it, uh, write a letter. And let your representative know your displeasure. You know, far too often we have to deal with the aftermath of bad legislation and unravel a mess. This is a couple of examples in the defeat of AB 315 and AB 710 where your pro-life activism of being fully engaged was able to derail bad legislation before it made it on the books in California. So I want to say hats off to you because if you're one of the listeners here in Northern California that called or wrote or prayed or sent a letter, whatever the case might be, however you engaged, uh, high five, job done, congratulations, way to go. And, uh, you know, now we're on to the next battle. Speaking of the next battle, where is it going to come from? Where is it going to be in relationship to the, the pro-life aspect? Well, that's a good reason to stay plugged into the California Pro-Life Council. You can check them out online at CaliforniaProLife.org. That's CaliforniaProLife.org. And we are very grateful to uh, Karen Roseberry for being with us tonight with the California Pro-Life Council for those outstanding and astonishing positive updates on the defeat of AB 315 and AB 710. That doesn't mean that they may never come back again. Please put a note here, dog ear the page, if six months from now I'm on the air saying, guess what? We got to make more phone calls. Don't say, wait a minute, but you said, yeah, because unfortunately those that see this as big business don't give up very easily. But guess what? Neither do we. Six o'clock from KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.